welcome back to the Balance Bully Podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. I'm your host, Nikita Rinthigpen, always excited to be in the place with you. Listen, our next guest doesn't know it, but I just literally left her hometown backyard when my baby girl graduated from Morgan State University this weekend. <laughs> she is from Baltimore, Maryland. She's a native dedicated to empowering clients and nursing professionals with impactful resiliency building tools that help them make informed wellness choices. She's a trailblazing Black female entrepreneur, Triple whoop, 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 who is leading powerful discussions around cannabis-inclusive patient care and restructuring the stigmatized industry. Ashley Wynn Grimes, welcome to the BBP. How are you today? I am well, and I just have to say, like, I love the entire vibe, like your voice, the whole nine. And then secondly, yeah, Morgan is definitely in my backyard. Um yeah, luckily you came during the good weather season. <laughs> that part. <laughs> right. Yes. Thank you so much. I first of all, let me respect your feedback. I thank you and I honor you for that because not everyone tells me that my voice is beautiful, except for my man, but you know, that's 29 years in, so he he better. But I appreciate it. And we did have a really, really good time, minus the hour plus to try to get out of the parking lots with all of the people. Full celebration mode, but it was amazing. And you know, your hometown is as beautiful as everyone allows it to be. And we had a really good time. And so did she over her last four years. So thank you for that. Thank you for creating a good space. Of course, of course. So you've been doing a lot of what I would call rebel rousing in a good way. And I'm a rebel at heart as well. You are rebellious, not you know, reckless, which I think is a a good difference to point out. And you're choosing to use your rebellious nature to really help advocate for people who can't advocate for themselves. You're taking your background in the medical industry and really using that to up-level some of the stigmatized segments of our industry, our federal laws, all of those things. And I can imagine that sometimes that hat is really heavy to wear. When you're in rooms with people who don't understand or who have, I'll say, conventional wisdom about cannabis and what that means, uh, you know, for pregnant mamas, for for women who have other medical issues that people don't necessarily think is appropriate for cannabis. Like they'll say it's okay if it's cancer, but it's not okay for fibromyalgia or whatever other thing might be going on. And I would just love a little perspective of why you decided to take your medical expertise and really dive deep into the cannabis industry to up-level and break those stigmas. Well, the answer to that, you said it in the beginning, is because I'm a rebel. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and and it's very, yes, it it, it, um, it showed up in my professional work life yeah. all the time. I always had a question about a rule. I always had a question about why we did things the way that we did it. And it wasn't always widely accepted. Um, cannabis specifically showed up for me when I discovered what's called the endocannabinoid mm-hmm. system. I actually discovered it when I was working in my corporate position for a 14 hospital system. And um, it was directly related to what I was going through. So I was victimized through cyber theft. I was dealing with a ton of stuff that 
eventually I just didn't have capacity for, um, by way of like just moral, uh, ethical decisions that were made around me that I allowed Mm -hmm. to happen. And so, um, for me, the transition seemed pretty natural, but if you look at me four or five years ago compared to today, it does seem like a radical shift. So, yeah. I love it. You, you're speaking to that reality that we arrive at different points in our life. And if we allow it, the evolution comes in. So the expansion can, you know, trickle out after, and you just expand it into a different, beautiful version of yourself that, I mean, I'm from Philly, so you could use your rebelliousness in a whole nother way. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's, and it's about being productive with the energy. Right. And um, being integrating the whole you to being the you that you're designed to be. And so I think a lot of like on one side of the coin, it's Ashley is a quote unquote cannabis nurse or she advocates for cannabis. But really, I advocate for people Mm -hmm. to be human and to have human connection, human interaction. And I think that's really the thing that I was missing when before I entered this space. And so you started the conversation saying, um, I think you said you're rebellious, but not reckless, um, but Mm -hmm. not reckless. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's about focusing in on the energy that I'm exerting, um, being present in what I am doing, how I'm doing it and why I'm doing it. But the other part of it is about just like just being Mm -hmm. yourself just being one with yourself. Um, You mentioned too, that this might be heavy. To be honest with you, I have unloaded so much stress over the past Mm. five years. It's fascinating. And when stress does show up for me, I can recognize it as soon as it starts to show up. Whereas once upon a time, I was saturated in stress and still dealing with the repercussions of chronic stress. Mm, Which is heavy. And I know you know from your background, Stress-induced illnesses can create a whole tsunami of issues inside somebody's body. And you being Mm. connected with your body, really understanding what's going on, being able to listen before it starts screaming at you with symptoms is Mm -hmm. critical. That's the only word that comes to mind right now. And it does scream at you. Like at some point, your body says, I don't want to do this no more. I quit. How about that? I quit. And <laughs> and for many people, it unfortunately before you get to the quitting phase, a lot of your relationships have felt have felt like you fired them because it can affect yeah. your mood, right? And and all the different things. I know you talk a lot about cannabis and the support that it can give to people who struggle with anxiety, um, which is in and of itself something that is both taboo and overused on so many different levels. And I don't know how you've seen that or dealt with that in the advocacy work that you've been doing, both in your nurse hat, as well as like the strategic advocacy part of that. But is that another reason why you decided to lean fully in to this work? Yeah, because I'm passionate about it because it's the way that Mm -hmm. I changed my life, Mm -hmm. right? And so to your point about anxiety, I know a lot of people, okay, Let's let's point Mm -hmm. out the first point. Anxiety is a very overused Mm -hmm. term. And I don't think that we all recognize what that actually looks like and what it actually means. And there are a lot of things in our lives that we accept 
as normal and we don't realize that it's actually a presentation or a representation of anxiety. And so there's one aspect of anxiety where you're experiencing an anxious state in a moment. And then there are other situations where people are chronically anxious and that is a medical diagnosis. And so those are two different, very different things. And so managing um, anxious experiences is also critical to not progressing into chronic anxiety. Um, And so the first aspect of that, you know, remember we were talking about stress going from um, a state of, I am just Mm -hmm. stressed to now my body is screaming at me. Now you have physical representation of the, or symptoms of this, the state that you're in and anxiety looks very similar Mm -hmm. to that. And so, um, while I, I hate to use the term in, in the like mainstream, you know, Mm -hmm. vernacular, um, I think that is critical that we begin to become more self-aware of what our body feels like in an in not anxious state. So that way we can begin to compare when I'm feeling anxious, why I'm feeling anxious, and then be able to manage and control it. And so for a lot of patients, depending on where they are in that spectrum, cannabis is an option or a tool to help them to manage as long as it's used intentionally, as opposed to being it being used as a coping strategy. So, you know, and when we talk about coping, usually that is more of like Mm -hmm. the mask, like let's cover Mm -hmm. up the issues so that way I can function and get through the rest Mm -hmm. of the day, right? Or in the day, right? We talk a lot about like, let me just wind down after a terrible Mm -hmm. day instead of confronting the day, dealing with the emotions of the day, you know, settling into the day and being okay with where you are in the day, right? And so cannabis can facilitate that process but a lot of people use it to just zone out of it altogether and then you never deal with it and then it piles up and then you transition into the more chronic situation yeah, which can lead down an entire rabbit hole of other issues absolutely you know, you, you made absolutely. so many good points ashley especially with the escapism that people use any Thing that they're medicating. You can escape with chocolate. You can escape with sex. You can ex- escape with over exercising, you know, something that is technically good, but taking it too far in an extreme. And you can absolutely escape with cannabis in whichever way, even if it's medically prescribed for you to use it. So just being able to highlight that difference, I think is very valuable for people that are listening to this thinking, oh, okay, I didn't realize that cannabis could be something that could help me with my anxiety or if I'm having a chronic anxious state, but not necessarily a clinical diagnosis of it, because maybe it's situational to the global pandemic and you didn't have anxiety before this, or you didn't recognize a lot of anxious states before that. Maybe it's because someone in your life is no longer here. And you're dealing yeah. with a grieving process and it's creating that knowing the difference is, is really important. And if you're confused and you're listening to this, don't try to do it alone. You know, go to, I'm biased because those of my listeners who are here know that I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a trauma specialist. So yes, I think everybody needs therapy. <laughs> like everyone, you know Absolutely. what I mean? <laughs> Every therapist should have a therapist. Hello. Like everybody needs it Thanks. and it can be supportive, but you don't have to use YouTube University or Google University to answer all your questions. There are real humans out here like Ashley Wynne Grimes that are available 
to answer your questions if you're really, truly concerned. I know you are on social media and we'll get to like where people can connect with you um, as we go further. But there are ways for you to get your answers from a real human that isn't a Wikipedia where someone is changing the data whenever they whenever they choose. Um, right. You know, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I and I want to also point out, like having a real human to to recognize you yes. as a human is also important. So, you know, one of, in my opinion, one of the issues with healthcare is that we are treating our patients like widgets, like they're on the assembly line, like they're the same mm-hmm. human, and not every human needs the same thing. So. Human A, B, and C may all suffer from anxiety, but their environmental situation is different. Their genetic situation is different. You know, like all of those things play a part in what causes the anxiety. And so the same medication can't be the answer for all three patients. Patient A may need medication. Patient B may need to start with uh, therapy. And patient C may just need Mm -hmm. to take a walk. Absolutely. That's a really good additional, you're just dropping all these distinguishing points, like mic drops all over, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) which I love. I'm here for it all day. And I I do think that's a really good point, especially when you think about the cocktail that is needed for, for some people. I know for me personally, I don't suffer from anxiety, but God knows I have dealt with anxious moments throughout education, throughout life, throughout birth and babies. I had postpartum, like all the different levels that you can exude that. And in those moments, I needed something different. To your point, sometimes you need a walk. Sometimes you need an orgasm, people. Sometimes, right, you know, sometimes you, you might actually benefit from cannabis. Like there's so many different things and you trying to just figure it out or play, uh, what was that pharmacist back in the day? Um, uh, Mr. Scientist, I think, was the, the the TV show scientist that we would all watch with the glasses. I, oh, I can't think of his name. I'm so I'm such a nerd. He was on PBS on Channel 12 for those who are local to the East Coast and get Channel 12 if it's even still Channel 12 and PBS. I think it was like Mr. Science B or something like that. But anyway, um, he basically was constantly trying to MacGyver everything and figure it out, and there would be all these cute little colorful explosions on, you know, whatever he was mixing, but in real life, those explosions impact your work. It impacts your life. It impacts your relationships. It impacts your self-esteem. And so you don't want to just go tinkering with a bunch of things without guidance, mentorship, advisor, coach, consultant, someone who is more informed than you and can help you through the process, which was one of the reasons I was so excited to interview you. When I saw your pitch come through from your team, I was like, yes, yes. And all the yes. (laughs) The resiliency that you've exuded, the fact that you are so knowledgeable in this industry, the fact that you are fighting the good fight where stigmatism is just not good for anyone because normal is not necessary. And when people get stigmatized, these labels literally become anchors around their neck and choke them. Sometimes by their own family. Like, why are you doing this? You shouldn't do that. You're, you're too young. You're too old. You're too big. You're too small. Like all the different layers that come with that. So I love the mission that you're on to really set the world straight. And if that means putting it ablaze in terms of the patriarchal ways of being that have existed and have led us into a dark place, then I'm here for that too. I'm lighting the torch right behind you. 
Yes, yes, I love that. Um, and and you know, it's so interesting because really my my focus is around the stigma. And the a lot of the work that I do is to help support other nursing professionals to make the transition into understanding what true wellness yeah. really means and recognizing that we're healers. Because at the end of the day, you know, I think I started to say this, I don't think I said it all the way, but a lot of nurses do suffer with anxiety because of the work that we do, mm-hmm. right? And um, even clinical yes. social workers, right? Like you're constantly seeing, you know, illness and, and unwell and unhealthy, and we're exerting from an mm-hmm. empty cup all the time. And, so, and the question is, how is it that we can offer healing services and not be healed ourselves? And I think part of the problem is that the stigma around what it means to be a healthcare provider or what it means to be a service provider means that you're supposed to show up with a smile on your your face and and Mm -hmm. be a hero and at the end of the day most of us i I, actually about 62 percent of us um don't see ourselves as heroes and but when you interact with most people they say you know thank you for your service or they're expecting you to know what every if you ask me about women's services, mm-hmm, I don't know. Mm-hmm, exactly. I mean, yes, I'm a woman, but as a healthcare provider, I mean, the only experience I have in that space is with my own body. It, it has nothing to do with the work that I've done. And so the expectation that when I show up in a room and you want to tell me about your fetus, you know, congratulations on your pregnancy is really all right. I have to say. That part. <laughs> you know? And so, but there is this weird expectation that I'm supposed to show up and and be able to diagnose you with something or be able to tell you what to do next. And I don't always have that answer. And so sometimes it's hard for us to be able to say, I just don't have the answer. I'm not showing up as in my full self today. And I really just don't have the capacity to offer you anything in this moment. And so um, I think that kind of gets stripped away with stigma. Um, and even to your point about, you know, all the other ways that we've been stigmatized, one of the questions that I asked when I wrote my book was, have you ever felt like you've been Mm -hmm. stigmatized? Right. And everybody, not one person said yes. Not one person said yes. They did not believe that they had been stigmatized. It wasn't until I explained what I meant by stigma that it was like, oh, well, I think I went through that. Mm -hmm. So definitions. So we don't even Mm -hmm. know. We don't even recognize the stigma that we perpetuate, that we allow to continue to affect us in our daily lives. And we don't do anything about, you know, and so in a lot of ways, we're complacent in the stigma, thus perpetuating it even more and in creating the chronic condition that we're dealing with. And so, yeah, cannabis is what I know a lot about. Mm -hmm. That's my niche. Um, but really my particular interest is really overcoming the stigma and um, helping other healthcare providers to even just recognize it so they can transition and integrate themselves into their full Wow, steps. that's disheartening and amazing at the same time that in 2023, at the time that we are recording this podcast, which will be evergreen and will live as long as the airways allow it to live, that we still don't understand our role in hurt. You know, something you you said, and I I don't want to misquote you, but you mentioned variably about being healers that aren't always healed themselves. And you took me back, girl, you took me back. One of the first adult, as an adult, 
and I've been an adult for a long time, but <laughs> one of the first adult public speaking engagements I did way back in the day, I was director of outcomes and behavioral health and, and training. And um, the title of it was who's helping the helper because it was all about this exact issue minus the cannabis portion that wasn't, you know, legal at the time, you know, it was well over 10 years ago, all the things, but it was a huge passion project for me as a trauma specialist who was into sexual assault response team and doing all the different things that I had to do and seeing the worst of the worst of humanity on a regular basis, especially at that time in my life and all the different hats that I wore, emergency rooms, crisis centers, all of it. And knowing that this wasn't okay for me to put a smile on my face, to use your exact example. And I'm a big smiler, like, you know, a chinky eyes closed smile and having to do that or even have a neutral face when I'm super impacted emotionally by something that's happening. All of that stuff goes somewhere when you're constantly doing this. And if you don't have good coping skills, good emotional regulation, understanding of your nervous system and all of the ways that it works. If you don't have that, and for me personally, I need it because I'm a special spice. I needed that and a team of people. Like I need my therapist, I need my spiritual counselor, right? Like I needed a lot more to make sure that that vicarious trauma didn't cause a whole tsunami in my house because my ministry, my first ministry is to my family to the people that I live with and the people that will hopefully worry me with good things to say and not things that they feel like they need to say because they don't want the world to see me a certain way because I didn't handle myself as well as I could. Uh, And I remember my daughter was, she's 22 now and she was somewhere between seven and a half, eight years old. And I remember when she said, you are so awesome for everyone else but me. And I felt that because I was that parent that was... keeping them busy, dance and tap and soccer and this and this and that and mm-hmm. all the things and carpooling to every I'm weekend warrior on the weekend doing all the things. And as we clarify, because, you know, I'm a black mama. So my first question was, what who are you talking to? Right. Like that was my, <laughs> that was my first thought. But as I came out of yeah. my ego and gave her space to listen, she was open and said, like, look, you do all the things, but you're not with me. You're on the in yeah. the corner when the other moms are cheering us on during recital, you typing and writing and and doing all the things because of my five jobs at the time. Because you know, like I know mm-hmm. in healthcare, you are not typically. You, you know what I'm lot. saying? You're like the the <laughs> clock does not end because you swiped out, and it just is what it right. is. And although that was understandable as an adult who was a helper and a healer in the space, my first ministry was like, uh, hello over here, me too. Like I want some energy and attention and I wasn't as regulated as I am. Praise God now then to hear her before she even had to say it, she had to say it to me and put me on blast to make me pay attention to that moment. And not all children feel confident to advocate for themselves Mm -hmm. in that so that parents can slow down and hear not all humans have little babes to advocate and say things out of their mouth to point it out. And the work that you're mm-hmm. doing is so crucial, Ashley. Like, I know you know it in your spirit. I know you know it in your soul because you wouldn't be putting so much energy into it if you didn't. But it is necessary for people to have these tools yeah. and to understand that it's not enough to just use it for themselves, which is the first important, you know, like be intentionally selfish, fill your cup so you've got something to overflow into. 
But aside from that, when you're ready to overflow, you can pass the torch. You can help people continue the blaze by eradicating that stigma that you're on a path to doing. And I could see how this shows up to allow you to have work life and what I call love balance, because you're doing something that you are truly passionate about. Absolutely. And when, and when you find that it's such a high that you can't even imagine, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like to, to be able to talk about the things that you're actually passionate about and be good at the thing that you actually feel good about and to do the work that you know is in line and in tune with what your strengths are. Like you wake up and you're like, wow, this is, this is like, make believe. Yeah. The world sucks. Right. But I know that in my world, I have a good time, a badass time, to be honest with you. (laughs) Um, and you know, and, and going back to your point about like the parenting journey, you know, part of the, the fragmentation that I referred to is lays in our identities. Right. And so there are multiple aspects of us that we don't operate the same in. Right. So like in my nerd with my nurse Mm -hmm. hat on, I'm going to act a certain way with my mom hat on. I'm going to act another way when I'm just a black woman in a crowd of white people. I'm going to act a whole different way. If I'm around my people, I'm going to act a whole. So these are all different masks that I'm putting on and those putting on all of those masks keep us separate. And the reason why we have to stay separate is because of Mm -hmm. the stigma, because you're scared that in this environment, they're not going to like me here because I'm this here or because in this environment, I'm a hero here. And in this environment, I'm the chauffeur and at least I got Mm -hmm. you here, but I still got to worry about the, the nurse hat over here. Right. And so as long as we don't show up as our full self, we're always going to remain fragmented in that way, right? Like you're not going to be present for the kids' events. You're not going to be present even for your job because you're constantly having to take one and put off hats. And sometimes you just get tired. It just gets tiring. But imagine just walking into any room in any setting, right? With the hoodie that you would have worn at the kids' baseball game or at your work or, you know, um, I don't know, at a a formal event and feel just good because that's what you chose today. Right. Like knowing that what you chose, how you decided to present yourself, the words that you chose to use, they're consistent across the board. You know what and why you say it, why somebody may or may not be offended and be open to with a spirit of inquiry and willing to debate the concept in a way that makes both people feel good and expanded by the end of the conversation. Pause, a complete energetic pause. I am with you on every single syllable of what you just said. Truly, it's it's a huge part of what I work with power couples and what I call potent humans, which are women founders and entrepreneurs. And that's exactly what I teach. You have to show yeah. up fully to live fully. It's like, no, you don't get to separate. All the code switching that we have unfortunately been raised to do because that is how we had to survive will not allow us to truly thrive. Yes, we can make money. Yes, we can build portfolios. Yes, we can buy houses and cars and all the trappings, but we won't feel truly fulfilled intimately with our first relationship, which is ourself, let alone all the other ones that sprinkle from us for the people that we, like I like to distinguish, are righteously connected. Because we know it's a lot of people hanging on to, oh yeah, I grew up with Ashley. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I know yes. her thumb and, and think they can dial you up at three in the morning. Hey, girl, no, <laughs> you are not righteously connected to me because you knew me in fifth grade or in college or in nursing school or wherever along the journey. If we are not truly connected because I have given consent for this connection to continue because it's reciprocal and we're not able to do that to your point if we're constantly fragmented. There's so many pieces and that in and of itself, highlighting exactly what you said. This is not Nikita's words. This is Ashley's words. It is no way that you won't be exhausted by the separateness of that. And there's no way that you can truly feel whole if you're constantly doing that. We all had to do it. And when I say all, I'm talking to the black and brown community that's listening to this. And maybe there are other people outside of the black and brown and immigrant community that are listening to this that feel like it also applies. But I can only speak from my personal experience and my professional experience working with a very diverse group of people. But that is a common theme for people who look like me. Truly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And, you know, and here's the thing when it comes to like, just race and, you know, just the, the intersections that exist. We all play a position in, in yes. this construct. And there's very few people that sit at the top of that construct and we know who exactly mm-hmm. they are. And so we're all dealing with some sort of oppressive yeah. state. And we have to deal with the fact that we we sit in that position and recognize that when people meet us, there are assumptions that'll be made, right? And that you don't have to fall into the tropes and the assumptions that are made for you. You can create an identity for yourself that's unique to you. And so, you know, sometimes when I'm I'm dealing with my clients, when people that I'm working with, you know, one of the first things that people will say to me is, I thought you didn't want to work with white people. And I no, why? Because I decided I wanted to acknowledge right, my people. Right. No, I, I love yes. all people. <laughs> I truly do. But I also recognize where I sit in the construct and I can speak to that reality because that's where I am. And so I don't mind having conversation with you about the ways that you have suffered from injustice. Right now, what I won't do is is play the part in the, the jealousy, the guilt and the, the tears. No. I don't do that. Thing, Not into but, fragility. <laughs> but if we're going right. to have real. Right. <laughs> if we're going to have real conversation, we yeah. can do that. Right. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that we all have something to overcome when it comes to stigma. One conversation I had, I'm sorry, I'm no, this, a bit, but please mama go, go. <laughs> <laughs> I had with somebody, um, not too long ago, he was actually a white male nurse and, um, nurse anesthetist. And I had a very similar conversation with him and his light bulb moment was, you know what? I've been stigmatized too, because I'm a mm. nurse. When I go home, my family says X, Y, and Z about me. You know, the movie Meet the yes. Fockers. Which was a good movie, by the way. Yes. <laughs> it was funny. Um, but, you know, he was like, they always make that joke about me. He was like, I never really took it personal. But now that you're talking, I've also yes. been stigmatized. You know? No, that's, so. a, that's a valuable point. Everyone has their own plate of things that they would rather not want to eat and digest, but maybe we do because this is what our family does. You know, those statements, oh, this is just Joan. This is just Judy. This is just, you know, we start to make those excuses for people who are close to us, who in the scheme of things aren't quote unquote bad people. And they may be ultimately good people, but 
is what they're doing, is what they're saying, is what they're projecting. Is it good for you? And, and that's the yeah. the other, like somehow we're going to pull in that word distinguishing because that's like the theme of the day, <laughs> right? All the distinguishments. But Art, when you distinguish between the two, even though his family, to use the nurse anesthetist, Anesthetist. I don't know why I can't talk today. Thank you for that. The anesthetist, to use that example, I'm sure his family loves him and they are proud of ultimately what he's done and glad that he's not living on our couch, you know, eating up all the food and not contributing anyway. I'm sure comparatively they are proud of him, but then to knock him down because he's not whatever other version that they feel like he could be, which I call those expired expectations. Don't project your shame on me. If you are ashamed of yourself for not getting the MD behind your name, don't project it on me because I decided to do a CRNP or APN or whatever other thing I decided to do, or because you want to have certain bragging rights to say that you have this person in your circle, your ecosystem, your family, go after it. Don't try to hold me back with your jokes. I have a, um, a beautiful, wonderful client who talks about a friend who, and she is an African-American woman. And this friend will sometimes call her names that I won't, I will not requote, but names that make her feel like because she is a woman of wealth and she has a huge, beautiful portfolio mm-hmm. and she's amassed amazing things in her career that she has lost her black card basically. And will um. s- say things like that in a jokey way when they're going to say, oh, well, you got it because, you know, you don't need your black car. You got your other black car, you know, just comments and mm-hmm. things that don't make her feel nourished and good and healthy in that mm-hmm. relationship. Um, now, one of the unfortunate things for her friend is one of my greatest gifts is helping people create expansive boundaries, which including uh, lovingly with kindness and beautiful selfishness, kicking people to the rocks without hurting them. But like, okay, this 20 year relationship is done because you're not hearing me. You're not seeing me. You're not validating me. You're not even giving space for me to pour into you because you're so ashamed of where you are in this process of your journey and your life that you don't want me to pour into you. You just want to pull me down. What's that old phrase, crabs in a barrel? that we would hear all the time. And for those of you who are listening, who have never heard that before, if you've ever seen one of those fishing shows where they capture a bunch of crabs and, you know, proverbially put them in, it's a big net, but in a barrel, the crabs are trying to get out. But in the getting out, any of the crabs that are closest to the top, they're pulling them back in almost to pull them under Mm -hmm. them. Like, no, get under me so I can get out. You can't go without Mm -hmm. me. So I'm going to make sure that you don't go anywhere. And that happens with a lot of groups of people. And it definitely happens when people are envious of your bravery and your boldness, should I say, to choose to heal yourself. If you choose, you Mm -hmm. know what? Cannabis is a part of the cocktail that I need for whatever is going on in my life. Maybe I don't have cancer. Maybe I have anxiety. Maybe I'm dealing with depression. Maybe I'm dealing with agoraphobia. Whatever it is that I'm dealing with, And this is what my team of specialists and advisors, my Ashley Wynn Grimes of my life have recommended for me to have as a part of what I could use to heal myself because you're not ready to do the healing work. Don't judge me. Don't pull me back into the barrel and say, oh no, that's not good. You're becoming one of those people. You'll get addicted because I know you can speak. That is the ultimate question. Can you be addicted to the non-habit forming cannabis? Like, is it possible to be addicted? 
So uh, when it comes to the conversation around addiction, it's important to distinguish <laughs> the big D in the room, um, right? <laughs> the differences in what addiction means. And so um, there's psychological mm-hmm. addiction versus physiological addiction. And so um, cannabis is not physiologically addictive. Um, it can fall into the category of psychological addiction. But just to give you a frame of reference, so can your social media be psychological. Come on, addicted. dopamine hits all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all mm-hmm. day long. All day long. Um, or TV watching. Or um, I'm addicted to exercise. I'm addicted to food. I'm addicted to coffee, right? Um, actually, that's not true. That's actually right, that's true. the caffeine. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but I say that to say um, it's not the most dangerous addiction that you're, you're mm-hmm. dealing with. Right. Um, if I had to compare cannabis and alcohol, I would definitely say the toxicity that alcohol can have on the liver and your tissues is absolutely more detrimental than cannabis could ever be. Another conversation that usually comes up around the topic is the difference between smoking it or eating it or putting it a topical, all those different methods of consumption. And some people feel like smoking it is worse than mm-hmm. eating it. Um, but eating it can also be pretty detrimental depending on what you, you make with, with it. If you put it in a brownie and there's a ton of sugar in it and maybe you're diabetic, like that's probably not a good situation. Mind you, sugar is right, also part. Um, Psychologically <laughs> and phys- um, physiologically. <laughs> and phys- yes, absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, and smoking it also can it impact the body, but depending on what you roll it with, what you wrap it with, um, whether it's cigar papers or cigarello papers or, um, anything that has nicotine in it now, now you're changing what you're consuming. Right. And so it's always recommended if you're going to roll it to use hemp papers or organic papers and things like that. So that way you're not ingesting additional, um, chemicals outside of the plant. And then there's some other signs like uh, chemistry type things that occur when you combust. But um, for the most part, THC itself has been found to not cause physical yeah. addiction. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm a thousand percent <laughs> with you on all of the things and the good distinguishment, the D of the word, uh, the D of the day, D of the word. We'll, we'll go with both of them. <laughs> um, you made another valuable point when you use those other comparisons, which brings us back 360 to where you started when you were talking about the escaping and the the hiding mm-hmm. in the coping skill that's just to put support you like a pillow is supporting you at night. But you're not supposed to walk around with a pillow all day. You're not supposed to hide behind a yeah. pillow and you're not supposed to pretend that the pillow is your shield. It is a pillow. It is there to support you at a certain moment in time, but not to make you forget that you didn't get enough sleep or you didn't have what you needed for security, safety, shelter, or any of those things. And I think to your point of there are so many other things that we have accepted as a society, we will go to that divorce party in a minute and throw back some vodka or tequila shots and nobody thinks anything about it. We will do it at the weddings, at the, the religious weddings. Like we will do it in all the places and no one has any issues, at least post prohibition these days, but we still have these huge issues around something 
that the world at one point told us was bad and we just can't let that go. And that's the same for me. Mm-hmm. Like I teach people how to be intentionally selfish and people hear that word and they're like, what? I'm not. Yes. And I'm like, yeah. okay, do do the etiology. Like look at the word, look at how it got into our dictionary. One person shamed a group of women and that's how the word got in there. And now we use it to shame each other and no one has yeah. any questions about it. So I'm like, let's, I can't make you change your mind on the word, but I can redefine it for myself. I can claim it as a way to empower me. I can decide that cannabis is something that I want to help me, to support me, to refer to another family member or friend or someone in my ecosystem that could benefit from that cocktail, that healing cocktail Mm -hmm. that you were referring to earlier, that will help them be a more whole version of themselves instead of that fragmentation that you were talking about earlier. Woo, Ashley, you yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. When I say, as I'm knocking over things, when I say <laughs> potent human, you are the definition of that. Oh, you are. You. And I'm, I'm glad <laughs> that you're doing the work because no healer wants to do it alone. And I'm very, very, very grateful yeah. that you were doing it. So, you know, I have to ask you, as I ask all of our favorite okay. famous experts, How are you giving yourself permission to pause in the midst of all of this barrier breaking that you are doing? It's required. (laughs) Oh, absolutely required. So um, I do, I do a lot of Mm -hmm. meditation. I do a lot of like outdoor grounding work, um, exercises, part of my regimen. I time block significantly. I create space on my calendar during the day so that way I can drink and eat and, you know, all the things that need to be done so I can reconnect with myself. Um, I love my head. I love being in there. And so I also create space for that because there's a lot Mm -hmm. going on in there. And so I feel like in, in my previous life, I didn't get enough exploration time in there. And so things just got kind of cluttered. And so um, right now, I think that's been super therapeutic for me to be able to organize my thoughts and spend the time kind of navigating what's going on. So that way you know, I can show up halfway. Yeah, saying. That's right. <laughs> like most of us are creating a whole book, what, 60 to 80,000 words a day in our thoughts right. alone. And that's assuming that mm-hmm. you're normal and many of us are not normal, right? Like yeah. There's that other yeah. contingent. And I say normal ain't necessary. So don't get me started. <laughs> That's a whole nother episode or off air conversation. Right. <laughs> right. Cause I'm definitely, definitely I not normal. Right. Like I, I say often I am not fit for human consumption. So if you ask a question, be ready yeah. for the answer. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> another powerful pause moment. <laughs> You see that I'm a very verbal person. So when you shut me up, (laughs) that's a whole nother feeling inside the vortex that is my body. (laughs) Ashley, how can people connect with you and your company and learn more about the great work that you're doing? So you can find my website at CannabisNursingSolutions.com. I'm also on Instagram at Cannabis Nursing Solutions. Which is awesome. Thank you so much for carving out this extra time with us today. I value your time block. I'm a time blocker too. I value that so much. (laughs) And just you literally making space to share your story, your why, your how, your what, and 
your rebelliousness. I've appreciated it on every single level. Thank you. I appreciate this. Balance Boldly listeners, thank you so much from my heart for staying with us through the end. So if you are new to the BBP, know this very first thing, that there is nothing shy about me, as quiet as I may seem in person. So I'm going to boldly ask you for an ask, two actually. The first is for you to just take a moment, come into your body, feel everything pumping through your hearts, the vibration, the reverberation, everything that's happening in this moment. And I want you to think about at least one person in your ecosystem who could benefit from hearing Ashley's story today. Somebody somewhere you know, friend or foe, that needed to hear this. And I want you to intentionally share this episode without context. I heard this great interview, thought of you. That's it. Don't put any more heat on it because then you start projecting and they start looking for reasons for why they're not ready to hear this story. Please share. My second ask is that you enjoy the balance of your day, but remember, do it boldly. 